everyone. Welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 135, Love It or Leave It. On this episode, we share common backpacking gear we never bring. We believe some gear is better in concept rather than practical use on the trail, especially when trying to lighten the load. Do you love it? Do you regularly use it? Or should you just leave it behind? We challenge your thinking on this podcast to simplify the items you carry to reach their full potential, as less is sometimes more. You can join in on this discussion on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash trust the trail podcast and join our podcast family. Come hang with us and be part of that community. Speaking of our amazing community, this Saturday on December 14th, we are doing our annual Trust the Trail holiday special podcast that will be available on all podcatcher apps for your downloading pleasure. Our top five holiday stocking stuffer ideas to to surprise your favorite backpacker that he or she can find stuffed in their stinky hiking socks that are probably hanging outside. Santa's going to have to look for them. We also share who between Ariane and myself has been naughty and who's been nice on Santa's list. Extra podcast this Saturday morning on December 14th. Lots of laughs, so you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a blast. And by the way, last week when we posted on our Facebook group, which we love, that Victorinox with Army was going to be our December sponsor. Amazing, amazing uh, outpouring of Swiss Army stories. Uh, One of our Facebook group members posted a picture of his Swiss Army knife and said this was the one my dad gave me when I was nine years old. It's been an out of my daily carry for years and went on a lot of scout trips over the years. Another member said... I carry Swiss Army wherever I go, love the brand. And then Juan from Costa Rica said, I love Victorinox products. And that's the thing about our sponsor, Victorinox Swiss Army. They were founded in 1884 and they still owned and operated by the family who invented the Swiss Army knife over 130 years ago. Everyone knows them. The classic Swiss Army logo. That's why they trust it. That's why my mom bought one for me to take out in the backcountry. She knew the quality. She knew the logo. And she knows nothing about a multi-tool. But yet when she saw it, that was her last present she ever bought for me. And that was always why it was always special about that, that Swiss Army knife I had. Of course, today, Victorinox makes kitchen knives, luggage, fragrance, and Swiss-made watches. Watches that will... Take you from the boardroom to the open road with a style to suit every taste and travel gear ranging from suitcases to backpacks. Find the perfect companion for your next adventure. Visit victorinox.com, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-I-N-O-X.com. And because you guys are listening to the podcast, they have been extremely gracious enough to offer you 15% by using Trail 15, Trail 15, and that's for you guys. That's victorinox.com and code TRAIL15 to save 15% now through December 31st. Of course, some exclusions 
apply. So we're very happy to have them part of our podcast family for December. So the funny thing about backpacking gear is that we are inundated with, you know, bring more, bring more. You got to have this gear, got to have that gear. You got to have gear for every single what if situation. And you have heard Ariane and I so many times talk about it's your lifestyle and the lifestyle that you have on your trail. Sometimes you don't know what your lifestyle is when you're new to backpacking. So what we're going to do is we just share with you some things that we have in our gear closet. Some things we have, some things we don't, but we never bring them. We never bring these items out backpacking ever. I mean, we've had these things in our gear closet for how long? I mean, sometimes, sometimes really opening up like a like one of our gear tubs, I'm like, oh, wow, totally forgot about that piece of gear. I, and it was like really expensive gear. I, I think a really good challenge for people is, is to, to practice at the end of a trip, particularly for our newer backpackers, uh, go through what you didn't use or perhaps what you didn't use to its fullest. Because in this podcast, we are really challenging you to rethink what gear you take with you. Have you used this gear to its fullest extent? Um, and in many cases, you, you you may not. Sometimes there's an alternative option that you already have that you love and you use that could be used um, that could serve the same purpose of what this other piece is. So we're we're going to offer you some alternatives to some of the gear that we don't bring and instead how we use it. Uh, but really, this is not about reduction of weight or, you know, focusing on ultra lightweight backpacking. Uh, this is really about doing more with less components in your backpack, thinking through your gear differently and just simplifying the experience and the necessity for what you need to bring. Yeah, and that's one of the things that you kind of brought to our backpacking boot camp class that I had never done. Um, you brought to the to the class where um, you know we did kind of a pack shakedown before, but then you had always done the pack shakedown after and say, okay, what didn't you use? You know, what did you think was so vitally important? <laughs> you know, to your trip that it's it made so much sense when you put it in your pack, but then you know you never use it, and I think that's really what we find out more and more and more as we. Um, you know, as we spend more and more time in the backcountry that, you know, we really don't need this stuff. Um, and so we're going to give you examples of gear that, you know, I know for me, I've, I've spent some dime on this gear yeah. and I probably only brought it out a few times. So, um, and, and some of the things that you've probably heard us say before, but it's kind of a, a good, good reminder that, you know, sometimes less, less is more. So, What's the first item for you that you have that you just never bring? So pretty common uh, backpacking gear is your camping chair. And, you know, yes, I have a I have a camping chair. I have a very lightweight, compactable camping chair, but I don't bring it backpacking with me. I I would um, I would not uh, be seen on the trail with you. <laughs> no, that's not true. I would be seen on the trail with you because you make me look good. But yeah, backpacking chair is the big kind of like yeah. 
it's a lifestyle choice. And yeah, it's they're nice. pretty lightweight. Yeah. But I just don't, I just, we never bring it. We have it. But we have found that our backpacking chairs are used more in the house. <laughs> we, we actually do use our backpacking chairs as we do. And when We do. And when we bring the backpacking van out, um, we definitely use the chairs absolutely but for for backpacking no i we we're pretty adamant about leave that stuff at home you don't really need it we're going to give you an alternative on what we bring instead of the backpacking chair that you can kind of multi-use so backpacking chair is definitely our number one leave it at home we're not bringing it piece of gear going out in the backcountry it doesn't serve the purpose outside of pulling you up off of the ground. Uh, in some cases, it may be a comfort thing or a, a, a quality of uh, ability there. But I, for the most part, we use as an alternative a very more reduced weight, lighter um, option and that is uh, mats. Now, Scott and I use different types of mats. People know them as butt pads, of course. Um, I use the Thermarest, the, you know, the, you, just your basic, kind of looks like an egg, egg crate, egg carton kind of thing. Um, I think the Z, they call it the Z-Rest, right. I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I use that. Now, what I do like about it is it serves two purposes. One, it's my butt pad. So I'm not sitting directly on a cold earth. I'm not sitting on a mud pile right after heavy, heavy rains. I'm able to lay down, you know, sit on it um, and make it size appropriate for me and what I'm looking to gain from it. But also it serves an alternative purpose and that's it. We multi-use our gear and that is, it's my dog's sleeping mat. So, of course, they need warmth from the earth. They need an R value, just like we do with our sleeping pads. So it's essentially, you know, Caldonia sleeping pad when I'm not using it. And otherwise, she either joins me on it or goes to sleep under the tarp. So it, it's a multi-used piece of gear. Very lightweight, very compactable, size appropriate to however I want to cut it. Yeah. And so I use a blue yoga mat. And so they're pretty cheap uh, at Walmart. It Mine's a little bit thicker. But I notice about those mats is that it can rain all day. I can leave my mat outside, but they're not prone to water weight. And so the water just kind of beads off of it. They may be damp. They may be wet. My butt might get a little wet. But <laughs> I can tell you one thing. It beats sitting in one of those chairs, those backpacking chairs, and, you know, being in mud and then the chair tipping over and sinking halfway <laughs> halfway in um so i use a blue yoga mat uh the other thing i use it for is when i lay it out and i'm sitting either on a a tree a fallen tree or i'm around the campfire it keeps my butt a little bit warm absolutely but i can also lay things around me that won't get wet so if the ground is really wet i can you know um maybe you know, take out my clothes bag. Maybe I can take out some things that I may need. Uh, it definitely, definitely helps when I'm packing up. 
and I can throw that blue yoga mat down on the ground. And as I'm packing up my gear, I can put gear on the blue yoga mat, especially in rainy, muddy conditions. So my gear doesn't get just completely muddy and dirty. So leave the camping chair, the backpacking chair at home. You don't need it. Let's multi-use some gear and uh, figure out how to get the best bang for the buck so your butt doesn't get wet in the back country. <laughs> uh, alternatively, we also have camping pillow as one, our second uh, on the list of items we don't bring. Now, this is one item that we don't even have in our gear closet. It's no. not even in the bin. It's not long forgotten. We just simply have always uh, done without a camping pillow because I personally find no purpose in it. And perhaps that comes from my background of just trying to rough it as much as possible. And I have found suitability in less than perfect conditions <laughs> and a lot of it comes from that but i also don't have severe neck aches or back aches which is a lot of people that do take camping pillows find comfort in yeah absolutely and again it's your it's your trail lifestyle we don't bring it um i've never brought a camping pillow ever um i, I guess it would be i would probably call it, you know call that a, a luxury item or a weight penalty um, but if you need it because of a back injury or a neck injury or, you know, you, you have to have it, then that's your trail lifestyle and you've got to have one. Um, what we normally do is just take our event stuff sack. And, you know, for us, if you've kind of planned and prepared correctly, you uh, may not need your puffy jacket at night when you're tucked in your sleeping bag or you may not need your rain jacket uh, so I shove that into my event sack and that's what I sleep in. I make that a pillow. And quite frankly, uh, if I can stuff my down goose down jacket in my event stack sack, now I have a goose down pillow. <laughs> that's the way I look at it, folks. I'm always wearing my, my, uh, outer layer, but yeah, well, when it gets, when it gets cold, sometimes you have to, sometimes, you know, you're going to have to, but but most time than not, and I bring that goose down jacket. I mean, quite frankly, I bring that in uh, early spring, late fall all the time. So many times I don't need to sleep in it. But uh, I think that's just, you know, you, there's enough of your gear out there, your clothes bag, your rain jacket uh, that you can make into a pillow. And that, so that's one of the reasons why I personally don't bring a camping pillow or backpacking pillow. I know uh, there's a a lot of them out there. Um, it's just not our trail lifestyle. So we leave that at home because it, uh, to me, um, I, and the way you sleep, by the way, <laughs> you can sleep, you fall asleep while you're talking. So you, I know you don't need one. I definitely don't need one. But I will say sometimes uh, because I have become a little bit more of a, well, a much more lightweight backpacker, and I have minimized my clothing options down to almost nothing. I do find it challenging sometimes to find enough to stuff in there for it to be not so frustrating when it flattens on me. So uh, somewhere along the way, I probably out of sheer frustration came up with the brilliant idea of shoving my uh, camp shoes underneath it to prop it up and elevate it enough. And it works perfectly so 
when you get to that point where you minimize your clothing so much that it almost becomes null and void, throw your camping shoes under there, you have enough padding, and voila, you have a pillow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this next one probably isn't going to surprise many of you if you've heard us talk a lot about first aid kits before, but we do not pack excessively in our first aid kit. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think over the years we've seen first aid kits get pretty big. I mean, you know, and I know they sell kits at, at you know, outfitters like REI and, and Walmart, things like that. I, I, I see them. But, um, you know, look, out in the backcountry, and we've talked about this before, there's, there's very few things that you're going to be able to fix up and patch up and then continue your backpacking trip. And that's usually cuts, scrapes, and burns. And you can kind of take, take care of that pretty much in the backcountry. If it's anything worse than that, you're probably hiking back to your car. I mean, that's the that's the reality of it. Okay, so we just usually take a little plastic baggie and we make our little tiny first aid kit. Now, if you have allergies and you know you are allergic to bee stings, then you're going to have to bring an EpiPen. You're going to have to bring Benadryl. Benadryl is always good to bring anyway, but you know you have to know who you know you know what kind of uh, what your health issues are you know of course personal medications things like that you always bring but you don't have to bring the kitchen sink of first aid which is out there so we leave a lot of that stuff at home which is how they sell and package them i'd like to think of the first aid aisle in any outfitter store as the feel good section (laughs) because if you take it you are you are out of harm's way we have everything you need to combat any situation in the wilderness. And and for me, that's kind of what it, 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 it is. And yes, there are some extremely viable and resourceful things in there. But if you don't know how to use it, if you don't practice it, if you really think through the different scenarios, a lot of it becomes completely useless. And so we encourage you to really, really think through that and minimize it to a non-excessive first aid kit. And not only does it become useless, it becomes expired in a <laughs> yeah, lot true, of true, cases. True, so, true, true. so when I look at those uh, first aid kits and I look into everything that's in there, the very first thing I think of is I'm never going to use all this ointment. I'm never going to be able to. And if I do, something has dreadfully gone wrong with my backpacking trip. You there know, have been If two I start trips. going through antibiotic <laughs> ointment, <laughs> I'm heading back to the car. I have to say, uh, there have only been two trips in my entire backpacking existence in which I have actually gone through all of my blister care or band-aids. And that's Never for myself, but it's always when I lead a trip because somebody is bound to need it and I'm dishing it out like candy out on the trail. But uh, yeah, so look at your first aid kit. Uh, Excessive is not necessary. So um, this one might surprise some of you or maybe not. Uh, Repair kits and extra batteries. We don't bring them. Never. We, We never bring extra batteries because one, I bring... I have a rechargeable headlamp. So my Black Diamond uh, headlamp, um, it, it, it's got a USB port to it. So I just recharge it in the car when we're going out um, driving to a trailhead. So I never have to bring batteries for my headlamp. Um, we don't bring extra electronics uh, anyway for 
really anything else. And our repair kit is still kind of like the same thing with our first aid kit. And to the, to the point where if you have catastrophic gear failure, <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be hiking out, you know? Yeah. And we've had catastrophic gear failure. Believe so me, many when, you, times. when you hear the tarp ripping and the grommets are ripping because you're camping in 40 mile per hour winds, that's catastrophic gear failure. And there is no repair kit in the world that's going to be able to. You're, you're not going to be able to sew yourself a new tarp. I was just going to say, no repair kit out there. Nothing that you can bring will be able to counteract catastrophic failure. And so that's what we're talking about. It's all these little gimmicks of of, of how-to and hacks and, and all these things of like, I use this and I use this and I bring this for this. Well, in reality... Duct tape does fix everything. But it's <laughs> but you never carry enough to be able to make your own tent. <laughs> so if you so, had enough duct tape, you could probably make a duct tape tent. Now But that's about the that's only <laughs> that's only if you have 15 rolls of the extra wide duct tape that you're bringing. Other than that... Tenacious tape <laughs> is, is a good idea to like throw in uh, you know, a square of it uh, as needed. But uh, I stopped doing that a long time ago because I actually found that in most cases, duct tape is good enough to get me through until... Or perhaps my tolerance level, again, is so ridiculously high for failure that it's... These, these things are more of an emotional security for bringing uh, simply just kind of like the first aid kit. But well, the funny thing about tape. the funny thing, and I don't mean to interrupt you, the funny thing about the repair kit is this. Do you know where I see duct tape the most on? On the, on the trail. On the, tra- on the trail. Or but you know where I see it? Heel. Yes, I see it on <laughs> boots. I see <laughs> boots on shoes. And I don't know about you, but I've never had like a repair kit with a new sole that you can repair your hiking boot. And normally I see duct tape wrapped around people's boots because the sole of their boot right. has come off. We remember right. we were hiking in the Smokies and that guy had duct tape boots on. Yeah, <laughs> he, had, he had almost made himself a pair of boots with duct tape. Um, and he had quite the um, he had quite the hill to climb back down. So, you know, you're, or you're going barefoot uh, backpacking. Yeah, right, right, right. If we you just, listen to that podcast. We just throw a, uh, a a decent amount, depending on how long we're out there, uh, throw a decent amount around our hiking pole, uh, just a small amount in my, uh, you know, first aid kit, whatever it is, it's a sufficient amount. Duct tape is like the cure-all. Yeah, it really is. And we wrap it around our hiking poles, so we're never really carrying it. It's just wrapped around our hiking poles, so we have it with us all the time. So we leave the repair kit at home. We, we, We never, ever bring extra batteries because we don't use the Steripin, and our headlamps are rechargeable. So that's it. You can actually see very well in the dark. A lot of people don't believe it. But once you get out there and you, and you, and, and you really navigate, you can actually see a lot in the dark. So if your headlamp fails, your headlamp fails. <laughs> and just learn, learn to feel your way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it has happened to me before. I actually went uh, night hiking without a headlamp before and i was somewhat okay 
I didn't sprain an ankle. I managed my way through it. We're not saying do oh, it. Yeah, bring a headlamp. <laughs> bring a headlamp. But, but, but not there the are, extra But there are headlamps that have rechargeable batteries. In them. I really went off on a deviant on that. But, okay, so what we don't bring is deodorant, baby wipes, or excess toilet paper. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. Um, we just don't bring deodorant. Um, I think it's completely ineffective uh, piece of gear to bring. I know that nobody wants to stink on the trail. I get that. Nobody wants to smell yourself, let alone other people. We get that. But there's not enough deodorant that you could ever carry that's going to stop that stink from coming out. I would like to think that we are all like-minded individuals when we're out there. And so when we sm- we we smell the waft of hiker stench. So write a passage. <laughs> I feel as though everybody understands that language. Ah, it's a silent They've language. They've been out there for a while. <laughs> it's the silent but deadly language I that nobody talks about. <laughs> the alternative is just stink. Embrace your natural smell and enjoy it. Stop trying to fight a component that is inevitable. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that before in our podcast. I mean, it's just, there's just not enough of it. You know, so leave it at home. I, I, it, it. It might be a, a, a safety, like, you know, comfort thing, but but you get over it. You won't miss it. And, you know, after a few days on the trail. And and let me tell you this. This list that we're, we're talking about, our items, it doesn't make any difference whether we were going out backpacking for a weekend or we were going to hike the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. It doesn't make any difference. There, there is no mileage limit <laughs> on bringing these items. I would not bring deodorant if I was going out for a night. I certainly wouldn't bring deodorant if I was going out for five and a half months. It's it's funny. I won't bring deodorant, but I'll bring corn on the cob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very if good. you've listened to that episode. And, and we certainly don't ever bring baby wipes. Baby wipes are probably the very worst item you can bring on the trail if unless you pack it out. If you leave those baby wipes on the trail or anywhere in a privy, that you're you're on the naughty list for Santa. <laughs> uh, baby wipes just are terrible for the environment, uh, so we don't bring those at all. And 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 really today, with uh, specifically on the Appalachian Trail, uh, on the Pacific Crest Trail, it might be a little bit different. But you know, I've seen people with two or three rolls of toilet paper. And, you know, I, I just think that's an excessive amount of toilet paper uh, to use. So Love it or leave it. You know your body the best more than anybody. Um, and I may take it slightly to an extreme than most are comfortable with. Um, I do use a lot of leaves. It's my preferred source. But I do bring toilet paper, you guys. I, I bring it as a backup I have plenty of horror stories to share with you one day down the road in a podcast far, far from now of times where I wish I had brought an entire roll. But but you know your body, you eat consistently out there, you know what to expect. The more you experience um, being out there for long times, you, you know what your body will do and how to handle it. And so bring a very limited amount of toilet paper. Um, 
really challenge yourself on that. See how little you can use and using alternatives out there. When is your um, leaf poop book coming out? <laughs> I do. I've been trying to get Ariane to write a the you know like so which I leaves, have a book idea. Out which there, leaves everybody. work best on the trail? I, I do. For, I have uh, to I have, replace the toilet paper. I have a book idea uh, to be determined. Let's see. Let's see if the sales come in, and then I'll I'll pump. We got to write the book for someone to buy it first, Sally. <laughs> But um, so our next uh, thing that we never bring, and this is this is huge. This is a big one because um, probably the most surprising. Yeah, item, probably. But we never bring it anymore, ever. Hand sanitizer. You will never see me bring hand sanitizer on the trail ever. Before everyone goes up in arms about this topic. Yes, I do bring an alternative to hand sanitizer, but hand sanitizer is inefficient and ineffective for uh, use out there. Yeah, it's a good thing to have. But as an alternative, I actually bring Sea to Summit soap leaves, and they come in a pack. They're very, very lightweight, very compactable, and they come in a pack of 50 leaves uh, to a small little container container so essentially it's lighter weight it's it's smaller it's more compact it's it's almost like not even there now you have to keep it dry otherwise uh you'll have a soapy mess on your hand but the thing is is that sanitizer hand sanitizer is showing more and more to actually not work as well because everyone is becoming immune to the sanitizer. So it's not really sanitizing anything. So if you really want to make sure that you're clean and the things you're touching you're, are clean, buy the little tiny packets, they're very, very tiny, of Clorox bleach wipes. I can guarantee you bleach is gonna do the trick. And with the norovirus that gets spread up and down the Appalachian Trail sometimes, specifically in Georgia, specifically in very, very early spring, usually it's peaking in the winter months, um, the hand sanitizer is not going to do it. It's going to be soap and water or bleach. That's it. So um, we we do not bring hand sanitizer. We just think it's completely ineffective <laughs> product. And so we don't bring it. If we're that concerned about germs, um, or making sure that, you know, we're not going to uh, get norovirus. We just use the Cedar Summit uh, soap little sheets. I love those Yeah, things. they work. They're very effective. They're really great at doing, um, you know, like if you've got some wash, if you've got uh, dishes to wash. Right. They're very, very super effective. Just one little sheet in water makes it very, very soapy. Um, but they have multi-use. So you can take a sheet, a little tiny sheet, put it on your head, wash your hair. Wash your face. Wash your hands. I mean, they're multi-use. Wash your pots and pans. So, um, you know, you can really make sure that your hands are clean. And then if you really feel um, like, hey, man, um, I just saw 2,000 people touch that uh, bear pole. <laughs> and that two people look pretty sketchy. Um, it just get the Clorox bleach wipe out. Put it in a little baggie. Wipe it down. And, um, you know, and then put it back in the bag. So, you know, those are some things that, you know, we bring if we're, 
if we're feeling that maybe you know we need to to bring them, but we're never gonna bring hand sanitizer. Right, that's for sure. So we're not doing without something. Uh, we're just bringing an alternative that. Uh, that we feel is a more effective use than hand sanitizer. I love the big jugs of hand sanitizer that people take out there. Um, it cracks me up uh, because I hope they're not going through that much uh, in a given backpacking weekend. <laughs> oh, I see people load up on that stuff too, man. I mean, they load up on it. So less is more in so the, this case. The next piece of gear, now this is completely subject to your geographic location. So for the purpose of um, our podcast on this topic, we're going to say we're leaving this at home. Now, if we were in Yellowstone, we were hiking in Montana, this would not be the case. So this is subjective to your geographic location. So up in the Appalachian Trail area, um, I would say count all 2,000 miles, we do not bring bear spray. We don't pack it. We don't carry it. Um, having seen a few accidents with bear spray, uh, not working out too well for the people that were carrying it. <laughs> um, and the entire Atlanta store of REI, <laughs> um, we we don't carry bear spray only because we we have a little bit of a... Um, we Our thought process with bear spray in the southeast and we have a lot of bear out here for sure is that if you do not know how to use it and you have never used it before the time not to learn is when you need it and that's when potential mistakes could happen and may not give you the outcome that you're looking for the bear out in the southeast more times than not, can be scared away or chased away. And we just don't want that added um, device out there that could go wrong. <laughs> no bears were harmed in the making of this episode. Only humans. Yeah, and the way that Ariane and I sleep, my biggest nightmare is turning over, hitting the bear spray, <laughs> it going off, and uh, me, I'm... Ariane, and the two dogs <laughs> are going down. Are going down. And the bear is like, oh, they're going to run away now and jump in the creek and I'm going to go get all their stuff. So it would be completely counteractive uh, for us. So we don't bring it. We leave it at home, uh, even though we live in bear country. Uh, but it's not the same bear, obviously, that would be out west, um, especially in the Montana, uh, Wyoming region um, where you have brown bear. And so at that case, we would not only have known how to use bear spray, we would probably make sure that we refreshed our, um, you know, our how-to and make sure we, our aim is good, know what the product we're getting, and to make sure that the device is properly used um, before we would bring it. But, but again, that's very geographical. But on the southeast, for all you Appalachian Trail hikers, we don't bring it leave it at home. Uh, so this next one is kind of a, a, a random one to throw in there, one that many wouldn't think about, but it does, it does simplify things for you. So when I first started backpacking, I'm kind of an organized freak. 
for those of you who don't personally know me, I think over the years I've let go a lot of that organization (laughs) um, and thrown caution to the wind. But I don't bring individual bags for everything, for separation. So uh, initially when I first started backpacking, it was very easy for me to keep organized. So it was a new concept for me. I have different compartments, different drawers. I know where things belong at home. So when I first started backpacking and I put all of these random thoughts, sleep, cook, food, uh, electronics, whatever the case may be, into one big sack with no division whatsoever, I couldn't conceptualize the thought of not being able to know where to go for these things. And so naturally, I separated everything into individual bags. And I think a lot of new backpackers tend to do that. Well, one thing with the experience that I've gained, I've learned you don't, it becomes almost muscle memory. The more you do it, the more you regularly put things in the exact same place and you know exactly where those components go, you know where they are, you learn that not everything needs waterproofing, some things do, and you start to naturally reduce the amount of excess bags um, and and I don't want to say organization, but just excess. Uh, and it, it's funny to it's it's fun for me to watch new backpackers as they have a bag for for this and a bag for this and a bag for this and a bag for this and it it's funny to watch them how they're pulling bags out and they don't even remember what's in what bag. Uh, so naturally, it kind of falls to the wayside. So no longer do I bring excess bags for all these different things. Um, I just simplify. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really good advice. Um, you know, I I generally have. I you know three bags that I carry. Um, you know my sleep system, my food system, um, my clothes, and then everything else is all in just one bag. So just, just kind of keep it really simple, yeah, easy, and uh, not complicate things out there. Because a lot of stuff, a lot of times you're digging, you're digging uh, for this stuff in the dark anyway. So it's good to kind of know where everything is. So, um, and our last uh, kind of piece of gear that we never take we never bring is excess electronics especially like a gps or some sort of uh, beacon now i just did a podcast on 911 and talked about how much of your cell phone um, has a gps chipset in it and just through progression and evolution there's a lot more cell towers that are going to be built in our lifetime i'm sure and how 911 works. So I don't, unless I'm going to be downhill skiing, and or unless I'm really going to be in a remote area where search and rescue could take days um, instead of hours, then we don't bring any of that stuff. And we certainly don't bring excess electronic gear when it comes to charging our phones we 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 use our phones for our camera we use our phones in case we have to make a call we use our phones for gps location but as far as apps as far as charging your phone all the time as charging oh my god like you know i need to bring the solar thing you know this extra battery it's not that important to us we we just we travel very light and we feel that if you put your phone on uh 
Battery save. Battery is, save. Is that the proper terminology? Yeah. So right. So you're uh, on an iOS. It's um, you just go into settings and you click battery save. It really shuts down almost all the extra functions of your phone. And I mean, I've I've been able to keep my battery going for five days without charging my smartphone battery. And the only thing that we bring is a very small extra charging device, USB connection for our smartphone and for my headlamp. That's it. We leave all that stuff at home. We don't bring headphones. We don't bring any extra electronic stuff because we're not out there for that. We're out there to listen to the sounds of nature, not listen to, you know, the top five playlists right. on our Right. you know smartphone so, so you know we don't we just don't need all that stuff and in case you know unless we're going to be somewhere where um when when we are guiding groups um that may be uh a one thing but we have already planned out so well in advance and everyone knows our itinerary so well in advance that um you know having a, a 911 beacon or having a gps just seems to be kind of redundant and so, um, but I know a lot of people bring them and I'm, we're not saying that we're saying we don't bring them because it just seems like it's extra bulky weight and rarely do we ever get the most bang for our buck. And alternatively, we are bringing topography maps. So uh, that is our preferred source if you're looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, and I'll just make this real quick comment about that is that you know, always bring a map because we have really run into a lot of people recently that will show me the map um, and it's a photograph on their phone. <laughs> bring the whole map. <laughs> <laughs> the entire map. Because, you know, yes, if your phone does go penalty. dead, if your phone does go dead, you don't have a map. So bring the whole map. Don't take a picture of the trail that I'll you're on <laughs> don't don't do that just bring the whole map that way you have it you don't have to rely on a battery and um you know uh so, bat batteries do go dead out there they do and we uh, don't bring those extra batteries to back it up with so remember we're challenging you do you love it do you regularly use it or should you just simply leave it behind think about your gear differently look at it from a different perspective I wonder what your own list is. Definitely share on, uh, you know, our Facebook community page. Uh, we want to know what you don't bring that is not on this list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we just did a, uh, on our Gear Talk podcast, uh, we just uploaded to our Patreon page. We are so excited about some of the 2020 gear that's coming up. And some of this gear is going to blow you away. You're going to be tempted but just think about your lifestyle first. <laughs> I am excited about some of the revolutionary uh, gear that's coming out in 2020. But um, yeah, we just did that on Gear Talk. And, um, but, but don't be tempted. Just know your lifestyle, kind of dig in and be confident with that. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please post a comment on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. So it helps spread the word of our podcast. We would really appreciate that. Shout outs to our lovely and amazing Facebook members, as always, and our patrons who help support the show. John Phillips, Rick, Jerry, Shirley, Jerry, Suzanne, Brad Wolf, Melanine, Mike, 
Jacqueline, Danny, Jack Masters, Amy Tappendorf, Jeff Nyman, Kathy Kinnison, and our newest Patreons, Bob Esser and Matthew Creecraft. We really appreciate you guys for growing our Patreon community. Thank you so much. Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support your favorite podcast. All you need to do is create an account and go to Trust the Trail Podcast. And as little as $2 a month, you get special benefits for exclusive content. Our podcasts are available on any of your favorite podcatchers. And if we're not on there, let us know. We'll get it on for you. You can always follow Trust the Trail on Instagram or go to our Facebook page, Trust the Trail. So less is more out in the backcountry. Don't need to bring the kitchen sink to have everything that you need because the trail does give you everything you need. So trust the trail, you guys. Bye. Bye.